0: I'm in John chapter 21, if you'd like to follow me in that, and um, it's the occasion when Jesus asked Peter, do you truly love me? Now Jesus asked Peter that question three times, and the traditional, and, and it's not wrong, interpretation of that is that Peter denied Jesus three times, therefore Jesus asked him three times if he loved him. Now that's fine and if that's what you speak that's great, no complaint and I'm not criticising but I think there's far more going on here than just three for three. I think there's far more going on here than some challenge and some might think that this questioning of Peter and how the question was repeated was some sort of examination that Jesus asked the question three times because Peter got the answer wrong twice. Well Let's look at the portion of Scripture and just see maybe what I believe, and hopefully you will agree with me, is there. So I'm going to read from verse 15 of chapter 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will be stretched out Your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. He said to him, Follow me. This is the portion of scripture I'd like us to have a look at. There is a little verse earlier that we find earlier. It says there in verse three, Peter said these words, I go out to fish. Simon told them, that's the other disciples. They said, We'll go with you. What had happened for Peter is that he'd been through a very traumatic experience. I have no criticism of Peter in this at all. He'd been through the, um, the betrayal, the denial, pardon me, of Jesus in the courtyard during the crucifixion. He had seen his Lord crucified. He had now found himself with a group of people understanding that, the, that Jesus was risen from the dead. And there were so many emotions going on in this man's heart. And what he did was, what many of us would do, he went back home. When you don't know what to do, go back home. And he went back home, and home for him was fishing, home was what he was familiar with, and he went back to that. And it was there where he met Jesus. Jesus was on the shore, they hadn't caught fish, Jesus performs this miracle, then Jesus cooks them breakfast, and that's where this conversation takes place. The little point I'd like to make before we go to the main area of Scripture is that Peter said, I go to fish, and the other said, we'll go with you. Peter already had a leadership gift, there's no doubt about it. Although he hadn't been uh, commissioned, as it were, that comes in this conversation, he, he still had this leadership gift. And he had the ability to lead people towards Jesus or away from them. Now, he didn't do this deliberately, but he said, I'm going fishing, and others went with them. He'd been told he would be a fisher of men. But in all the confusion and the upset of what had happened, he felt that, well, maybe that day is gone. I better go back to fish because I'm no longer eligible to fish for men. And others went with them. I hope that you're someone that always encourages people to come towards the Lord. When I pastored local church, I was always, always surprised how a lot of folk never want to backslide on their own. They always want to take a few folk with them. And the reason, is it easy their conscience? They think, "Well, it's not just me that's wrong. If I, if, if, if I was in the wrong, others wouldn't join me, and they do this. And Peter said, "I go fish and say, "We go with you." Let me just throw this one out. Where are you taking people? Are you leading them to Jesus, or are you leading them to fish? Are you leading them towards God or not? And you all have an influence. I think of the men who have influenced my life. And I should have mentioned this in the first service. I think of the men who led me in the right direction when I became a Christian. I had, I've only had one pastor. That's great. And he was brilliant. His name was George Rutherford, a Semper God pastor. And he taught me to love my Bible. He, called, he used to call me a scallywag. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Because I was far worse than that. I settled for that. And other men like John Edwards, who's now a senior leader at the New Life Church in Croydon, and Jerry Besson, and Cliff Tite, who's recently gone into the presence of the Lord. Men there who taught me as a teenager coming off the street what it was to move towards Jesus and to leave the fish. Well, the conversation continues. They've had their breakfast together, and it says in verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? More than these, there's some control. We're not sure what the these were. If you read commentary, some will say it was these, the other disciples. Some will say the very fish, the, his career, his his natural talents in that. Uh, we're not sure what the these were, but that was the challenge. Do you love me more than these? And that's the challenge of all disciples: is how much we love him. The title I think I gave to this sermon was "Who's Got Your Heart." Where is it? Where, who's got my heart? Who's got your heart? You know, do we love him more than these? These are not necessarily evil things. We're not talking about sin. You know, we're not talking about, you know, it's just a matter of getting Jesus into the right place. Do you love me more? God's not saying don't love your family. He's just saying love me first and you'll love your family better. He's not saying don't have a career. He's saying honour me. And I'll honor you. He's not saying don't have a, a, hobbies or in a, a, a social life. he's not saying that at all. all he's saying is, you can have all of these things as long as you love me first. And there's not a person in this room who will not or at home who will not face a challenge of the these. What are they? These for you? What is there that might be in competition to the Lord Jesus Christ? I suppose we could call them idols, things that come into our lives that really don't deserve the attention or the worship that we give them. I often think an idol is anything that will obscure my view of Jesus. If Jesus is there and in front of me and I'm worshiping this or this, this pulpit is in a wrongful place, then please, that's an idol. Anything that would obscure me having a clear view of Jesus, whether it's family or friends or whatever, Jesus isn't going to move you know that don't you I have to move and that has to go to the side it doesn't mean it's unrighteous or it's sinful but I need a clear view of him and the first challenge that was brought to Peter was this do you love me more than these the answer quite simply is from Peter he said yes Lord he said you know that I love you now I've got to let the cat out of the bag here there is a difference between the question and the answer in the question, Jesus said, do you truly love me? In the answer, Peter says, you know that I love you. And the reason is that they were using two different words. Now, in the English language, we have the word love. I know for so many of you, English may be your second language, but we only have one word for love. So I love my family, and I love trifle. <laughs> that is why I am the size I am. Not because, no, my family didn't do it, I mean the trifle. You know, I've got that choice. That's the same word. I love my family, I love trifle. Well, there's obviously, hopefully, was <laughs> <it's> close. <laughs> no, uh, trifle is another thing to, to my family. And in Greek, there are several words for, um, for love. I understand there's four. I know three of them off my heart. There'll be agape, philio, and eros. You'll be glad to know we'll leave eros for another time. But filio. And what is happening here, and the NIV, which I'm reading from, that the translators try and help us understand the different words. Because Jesus is saying, Do you truly love me? Peter says, You know that I love you. And the difference is that Jesus is saying to Peter, Do you agape me? In other words, agape was the highest, purest love. I would dare to say it was God's love. Peter comes in with a lower word for love, not inappropriate still of great value, be me not mistaken, he comes in and says, you know that I filio you. So the two are using two set. The question and the answer are different. Do you agape me? You know that I filio you. And I used to think that somehow, because the question was asked three times, that somehow Peter was getting it wrong. You know, like back in school, you know, what's the answer to this? The teacher would do something on the blackboard... And who knows the answer? Wrong. And he'd keep going until somebody came up with the right answer. That wasn't happening. This wasn't a test. This wasn't an examination. Jesus wasn't out to catch Peter or to make him pass the mark. He was asking him, he was being pastoral, if I could say that, to him in his own heart. And he says, do you agape me? And in truth, Peter wisely says, no, I filio you. And that was the whole challenge. And the reason I say I used to think it was sort of a test was because the question was repeated. The question I believe, and if you don't agree with me, that's allowed, of course it's allowed. And in heaven, you'll know I was right. (laughs) You know, just make sure you're going to heaven. Okay? Um, No, that was was, was before a fall, that statement. (laughs) I think it was so that Peter, it wasn't, forgive me, that Jesus would discover the level of Peter's love. I think it was that Peter would discover the level of Jesus' love. Isn't that good? Now, I'll tell you now, it was worth getting out of bed to hear that. It really was. It's more important that you understand how much God loves you than how much you love him. Because in understanding that he loves us with agape love then we can come in and say, Philio, I don't believe I will, well, I know I will never love Jesus as much as he loves me. He agapes me. The best I can hope for is Philio. But you know, you'd think that was the wrong answer. You'd think somehow, no, no, Peter got it wrong. He should have said agape. We we're supposed to love God with the same love he loves us. No, we don't. And the reason we don't have to is we can't do it. So filio is acceptable. And the reason I know it's acceptable is when he gave the answer, Jesus said, feed my sheep, or pardon me, feed my lambs. The answer came in. Now, if he'd got the wrong answer, he wouldn't have been given that commission. Slowly, the commission is coming back. Here we have a man who had, be, had um, denied Jesus. Here we have a man who was in dejected. Here's a man who says, I'm going fishing. And Jesus comes to him and says, your love for me is, is acceptable I've still got something for you to do and there are many people listening to this today either here or elsewhere who you feel you have denied him and you feel it's the end of the matter and you feel that's me finished let me tell you if you filio him he's got something for you to do he's got something for you to do for Peter Firstly, it was, feed my lambs. And then it's verse 16. Jesus said again, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He used a different word. Therefore, the word truly is missing from the IV. Then he says, take care of my sheep. So if it was a wrong answer, he wouldn't have been given the commission to look after sheep and to look after lambs. I'm sure there are some preachers can tell us why lambs and then sheep, but... You know, it's feed my lambs, it's take care of my sheep. The two aspects of the pastoral ministry, feeding sheep, taking care of sheep. He was being reintroduced to his calling. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Please note, the word truly is missing now. Jesus drops down. So he drops down to Phileo. And the reason Peter was frustrated, it tells us he was frustrated, the third time he said, Simon, son, do you love me, not truly love me, Peter was hurt because um, he asked him the third time, do you love me? And Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And that was how he was hurt. He was hurt. I don't believe because he'd asked him three times. I think he's hurt because he'd already given that answer twice before. Do you agape me? Lord, you know I filio. Do you agape me? You know I filio. And then Jesus says, Do you filio me? And I'm not trying to be irreverent here. And Peter says, Well, hang on a minute. I've just told you twice that I do. Yes. And it was Jesus' way of saying, Peter, your love for me is acceptable. Your love for me is acceptable. Yes, we could all love the Lord more. Of course we could. And if you don't think you could love Jesus more, well, you're ready for heaven. And you know what that means, don't you? (laughs) Or ready for the presence of the Lord. That's another Bible study. You know? Philio. Do you know what thrills me about this? Jesus never mentions his denial. Never mentions it you think Jesus would have said now this is probably how I'd have done it and by the way the way I do it's usually wrong okay he'd have said well do you know what Peter I need to have a word of it look before we can go any further before we can reinstate you before we can give you your elam credentials you know we really need to have a chat now you know in the courtyard when you denied me yes he said well do you know you used some swear words didn't you he says, I did, Lord. And he said, well, really, Christians shouldn't lose language, use language like that. No, Lord. Well, okay then. So first of all, the first point I need to bring up to you is your, your language. Uh, secondly, um, there was your denial. Um, really, that was a bit, you did let the side down, didn't you? Jesus never does any of that. That's what humans do. May I say, that's what the enemy does as well. He's the accuser of the brethren. Don't go around accusing people. Leadership have responsibilities to deal with discipline at times. Not your job. You've got enough bother sorting your own life out. And I don't even know you and I can look at you and think that's true. (laughs) So he doesn't say to him, you've got to repent, you've got to do this. And the reason he didn't bring it up, the reason he didn't tell him to repent is because he already had. It says that after his denial, he left that courtyard... And if I could quote the AV, he says, he went out and wept bitterly. In his ears were ringing the prophetic word, Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter, three times you're going to deny me and then the cockerel will crow. And as Peter sat in that courtyard, and let me say, applaud Peter, he went further than any of the others. He went further than I don't know where the rest of them were when Peter was that close. He said, they said to Peter, you're one of them. He said, no, I'm not. And then it went downhill. Fear took over. Fear. Jesus was compassionate to this man. Who wouldn't be fearful in that situation? And he says, Peter, there's hope. I'm not going to talk to you about your denial. I'm not going to talk to you about your bad language. I don't need to. You've already said sorry. Therefore, I've already forgiven you. And when God forgives, he forgets. And I look at my life and I say, thank you, Lord, that when you forgave me and he forgives me regularly, I say, thank you, Lord, that if we repent and ask for his forgiveness, it's given. When I get to heaven, God is not going to talk to me about my sin. He's going to talk to me about how I live my Christian life. Be Ephesians, uh, second, uh, 2 Corinthians 5. Oh, I'm going to have to give an account. But the account won't be sending me to hell. The account will be determining how much glory... I will have in heaven and so we move on you've listening very well thank you and after he said this he said feed my sheep then he changes it seems very strange that the 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 discourse the conversation changes one minute it's very one-to-one it's heart Peter your heart you know Peter I want you to know your love for me is acceptable Peter I want you to know what happened in the past is forgiven it's forgotten let's let's think about the future And then suddenly Jesus speaks about these words. He says, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. When he he said to him, then he said to him, follow me. I thought, what a strange thing to do. You know, you're talking to this man. You're reinstating him to the ministry. You're reinstating... By the way, when I say ministry, I'm not talking about clergy. Dear helpers, we've got more of them than... No, we haven't got more than we need, but... I mean, trying to preach is like trying to land at Heathrow Airport at nine o'clock on a Monday morning. You know, we've got plenty of preachers, great preachers. I'm talking about the ministry of where you are. In your office, in your factory, in your school, or wherever you are. That's your ministry. And Peter's being reinstated to his ministry a clergy thing it was just Peter I've got something to do I've got some lambs and I've got some sheep and I need some of them need feeding and some of them need taking care of and you're the boy to do it but but Lord I don't agape you you don't have to agape me I agape you you filio me and we'll get on great never forget please never forget he loves you more than you love him and you get up in the morning and you think I'm not a very good Christian and maybe you're not so buck your ideas up but remember this he loves me he loves me and in his love there is hope in his love there is forgiveness in love there is opportunity but why did he start talking about his death he's just he's just starting out in his ministry really he's just about to start before we know it there's Acts 2 and Pete, Pete, Peter's preaching to thousands so what why mention his death I think it's this reason I think Jesus wanted to Peter to know that he would never deny again he he says listen when you're old Peter you're still going to be serving me when you're old that's good news isn't it well I've got there and some of you look like you're well on the way (laughs) you know old he says listen when you were old You know, what what will happen? And tradition has it that Peter was crucified upside down. We have no factual to that. And if you believe it, fine. But he tells him, he says, that you're going to glorify me in your death. Peter, you're sitting here thinking, what if I do it again, Lord? What if I let you down? What if there's another circumstance? Will I deny you again? Will I let you down again, Lord. How can you trust someone like me? I'm so human. And Jesus says, look, Peter, I know what's going to happen. You're going to serve me all your days. And even when you die, you're going to glorify me. Isn't that great? Backsliding is not compulsory. You don't have to do it. You don't have to turn back. So oh, I've had a tough week. I missed the bus. (laughs) Well, I've got a word from God for you. Get out of bed earlier. You know, You know, oh, what? Listen, we're going to serve him all our days. Peter, I know you're fragile. Peter, I know you're confused. You're going all these. I want you to know, Peter, I've got something for you to do. Your level of love is acceptable. And what's more, boy, you're going to finish the race. And when you die, horrible as it may be, you are going to glorify me, which spoke of martyrdom. Wow. Why don't you decide? to serve him the rest of your life. Why don't you decide now that no matter what comes, and some of you are facing challenges at the moment, I don't belittle them. Some of you have been through challenges I would never understand. But in saying that, why not resolve in our hearts to serve him so that even in our, when death arrives, that we can glorify him in our death. Peter, you're not going to do it again, son. You're not going to do it again. And you don't need any gift, the help of the Holy Spirit to realise that in a group this size, there are some Peters sat here. And they may not all be male. And you think, well, Gordon, I uh, did something, I said something, I denied the Lord. Or I've just wandered off. There's a great verse in the epistle that says, be careful lest you drift. You know, drifting's more of a danger than, you know, out and out backsliding drifting away from the Lord and this is a message to say there's hope because he loves you more than you love him he still has something for you to do may not be as a preacher or a missionary or an evangelist or an apostle or a prophet it may well be to be the best teacher in your school or the best bus driver or the best taxi driver that takes faith doesn't it to say taxi drivers no bless them you know, be the best, almost finished, you've listened ever so well, very patient, then he said to him, follow me, you see, Peter had heard those words before, he'd heard the words before, in fact we're told in Matthew 4:19, Jesus says, come follow me, you see the first time he heard it, it was a call to discipleship, I'm going to make you, you're a fisher of fish, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Okay, so that's it. That's what they were going to do. Come, follow me. So at the beginning of his meetings with Jesus, it was follow me. Three years later, approximately, and we've had resurrection, we've had transfiguration, we've had crucifixion, you know, we've had the whole gambit. You'd think somehow Peter had moved on. That when you first become a Christian, its word is follow me. But surely now there's another level. Let me tell you now, whoever you are, whatever ministry you may have, if you fail to follow, you fail. It's down to that. Jesus returned to the original call. Follow me. I know I've heard Simon speak, and please come tonight at 5.30, please have a great word. You know, I've heard him speak at the National Leadership Devotions about the importance of discipleship. How true that is. Because it's the following him that will bring the failure. When I'm following him, you know, I'm a nicer person. I can tell from your faces you think I'm wonderful. (laughs) But listen, he makes us nicer. The closer I am to him, the more you probably want to spend in my company. Do you need to be reminded that your love for him is acceptable? In saying that, we could all love him more. Do I need to remind, sorry, do we need to remind ourselves that he will always love us more than we love him? And we can rest in that. Do we understand that at the end of failure, there is still hope feed my lambs isn't it good to know that he sees the end and the beginning and he says you will glorify me in the future as you will glorify me in the present and it's up to us how close we follow please don't say anything out loud let me ask you a question jesus is saying to you do you truly love me answer the question and then you will know whether he has your heart. The title of the message was Who's Got Your Heart? And it's down to this. But it will either, you will either sink or swim on the matter of following and the matter of discipleship. There are folk, I'm sure, uh, listening to this in the room or elsewhere, and you've not heard the first call to follow. You've not heard Jesus say, Follow me and become a disciple. A disciple is a learner. Um, I was driving down the motorway this morning and in the middle lane was someone with the P plate on their car. I mean, they just passed their test and I don't think they understood what the inside lane was for. (laughs) They were just sat there, petrified, probably the first time they are on the motorway doing it. Well, let me tell you this, none of us have the letter P on our lives. We always have the letter L. We're always learners. And maybe you are here today and you i not a Christian. You're not a follower of Jesus. Let me say to you this morning, you are our guest and we do hope you'll come to our services again. May I say this, that Jesus has a pair of L plates for you that you can put on your life say, I'm a learner of Jesus. I've been a Christian a long time. And I'll tell you now, I'm still, I've not passed my test. I'm still learning every day. And Jesus would like you to become his disciple. You say, why would Jesus want me as a disciple? I'm a, I'm a bad person. Well, we're all bad people. There's only, there's everyone in this room is a sinner. There's just, some of us have been forgiven and some of us haven't. And it begins by asking him to forgive you your sins on the basis of his death and his resurrection, which we remembered in the communion service. And then having acknowledged that we are not what we should be, He forgives us on the basis of his love and his mercy and then he whispers to us follow me, follow me and those of us who are followers of Jesus we believe it was the best decision we ever made to follow the Lord Jesus.